Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Open Guard Cast. Absolutely tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Best podcast in jiu-jitsu. I'm your host. You don't need to know my name because my name speaks louder than words. I'm here with sleepy Danny O'Donnell and Eric Astromecki for this episode of the Open Guard Cast. Absolutely tremendous episode coming. That's a horrid Donald Trump impression. Yeah, you gotta that work is- on that. Absolutely awful. But my name is Jake Watson. I'm joined by the inimitable Danny O'Donnell. Not an Irish singer. In fact, he is a black belt <laughs> under Marcio Andre Academy. And Eric Astromecki, who we had the pleasure of meeting at EUG Promotions 1, which was the flagship event under the promotion uh, led by Hector Vasquez and Eric Astromecki. And uh, we went to dinner with him. Danny threw up the Korean barbecue. Did you hear about that, by the way, Eric? <laughs> who you? What? By the way? No, you did not throw up Korean barbecue. Don't sick. even say that I to got me. Sick. Dude, it was bad. It was super bad. So we'll get into that in a second. We'll get into that in a second. But uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us, Eric, and being on this episode of the Open Podcast. Danny, I'm judging you. He he may let you off, but I'm not. I just ruined the intro. (laughs) It was bad. Well, hey, man, it's great that... It's great to have yeah. you on. Uh, I'm going to let right. Danny take away the first question, but uh, your hair is looking super nice as per usual. I had to shower and oh, bathe man. myself from practice. I left my phone there. But anyway, it's all good. We got here. No, that's good. I appreciate that you think I look good. No, it's okay. I got, I got home from practice, too. I have not showered yet. So oh. I am just a stinky mess, but... If we, until we get 4D open guard cast, you're not going to be able to smell me. So that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Why did I say that? Uh, Danny, take it away before I you know, fool myself. <laughs> so we definitely want to get into UG1 and talk about how yeah. that event went and some of the plans for UG2. But we first want to talk a little bit about your background because we know I know firsthand that you're a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, and you're also a very knowledgeable business person. So you want to talk about your background in jiu-jitsu and also in business? Um, Why well, did uh... – I was a sales guy before I did jiu-jitsu. Um, when I was 18, I sold cell phones out of a kiosk. And uh, I was actually on break one day, and I stumbled into a gym. I think it was called like Strike Fitness at the time. It was in Lakeville, Minnesota. And it, uh, I saw this white belt rolling with this brown belt. And just like, you know, when you saw jiu-jitsu for the first time, you were like, what in Jesus is this thing? You know, like this, I don't even, it just seems so foreign, right? And uh, I was like, I wanted to hop in. I was just like, well, let me see. Like, this guy doesn't look that tough. And um, obviously, I, you know, imagine, you know, being a white belt and you know, grappling with a black belt for the first time, you really feel like a child, you know, that you're helpless. And that like feeling 100%. of like complete helpless that somebody could just take your life from you and you'd be nothing you could do about it really bothered me uh and so for them i was like i have to show up i will die before i feel like that again like there's people walking around that can just do stuff like that and no one knows it was a real uh, (laughs) eye-opener for me uh and then i saw cauliflower ears everywhere you know it's like you open your eyes it's like you know the matrix you take the blue pill uh yeah and uh so yeah at the same time i was kind of trained and did jiu-jitsu i moved out to uh las vegas in 2013 uh for a job and uh that's when i really took it seriously and started training at extreme couture and like uh you know under robert fallis and uh you know worked my way up so far to brown um, i'm now under rich castro robert fallis uh uh passed away but you know his legacy lives on a lot of fighters um that fight on a rich castro is a technical engineer when it comes to jiu-jitsu uh not a physical guy at all if you can't beat him you know if you can't do jiu-jitsu blindfolded he's not really going to be impressed um <laughs> because he's just that kind of artist so um and, and you know if you do jiu-jitsu and business at the same time you get a really good mixture of 
you know, when you're good at sales, you have a huge ego because you're at the top of your class. And jujitsu is a really good counterbalance because your ego literally gets beaten out of you if you're with the right guys. You know, like you can't, you may think you're good, but you know very quickly, you know, if, if you can grapple or not, right? You can see somebody, you know, the second they grapple, you know, especially now as a brown belt, you, you've learned to see that, right? You don't see that in the beginning, right? You can't even measure your own progress. You're so lost. You know, you're like, I don't even know. Some days I win, some days I lose. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Does that go away at black as a brown belt asking two black belts? Or is that, I feel like that's always with you. I don't feel like. Uh, I feel so, like there's, yeah, jujitsu is so deep. I feel like there's always going to be places where you feel lost. That's my personal. Yeah, opinion. we call it like the. Uh, like the gray area, it's fuzzy, you know. Like, mm-hmm. what about you, Jay? What do you think, Jay? Yeah. Think? Well, okay. So <laughs> he's like, no. I'm I would perfect. say, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> far from it. Um, you can take a look at me and see that that's not true. But uh, <clears throat> so, what I think mm-hmm. is, as I've gone on in jujitsu, I feel like uh, it, you're just more comfortable with how much you don't know. You're just you're just more okay with the process of learning is yeah. what I've dealt with. So it's not like you know because. I'll I'll go through classes or I'll go through my journey of progression and Andre, my professor, who has known me since I was 12 years old, teaching me since I was 12. Yeah. So for the past 11 years, every couple months, I'll be like, wait a minute. When did you teach this? And he'd be like, Jake, I taught you that when you were 15 years old. I tell you this all the time. You connected and I'm like, dot, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like that dot that I – Andre says Light that bold. you weren't ready to hear it. Yeah, well, here's yeah, the yeah. thing. Andre tells me like – and this is something I carry with me because I, I do believe in it. It's like you weren't ready to hear it yet. Like you you can hear something and maybe it makes sense, but not in the way it's supposed to make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you learn more fundamental jiu-jitsu. You understand the language a little bit better. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, is that what that means? It's like when you're a kid and you watch a movie and you don't get the adult jokes yet. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. you get to adult and you rewatch that movie after a long time and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's this was in the movie? It's like that's kind of what learning jiu-jitsu is like. Oh, yeah. When you're, when you're a white belt learning certain concepts, like yeah. concepts are not the same as concrete techniques. So when I, when I finally got to black belt, now I'm just – I feel like I am just ready to hear information. I'm not like, oh, look at me. I'm Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have belt. a foundational you know? understanding of your craft. Yeah, where now, exactly. I, I get that as well where – and I see this more now and I say this with the most humility in the world. Right, um, you know, Danny's seen my grappling. It's not world class, okay? You know, it's just average brown belt stuff. You know, like it's run really of the good. mill. Don't don't say um, it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> uh, but the whole thing is like it's as you progress and you watch other people teach their technique, you can't help but see mm. sometimes where I wouldn't teach it like that. Right, I could completely close this thing off or do some things. And it's funny to even see – and you see this a lot too in the sport. I feel where the best jiu-jitsu guys aren't the best coaches, right? And the best coaches probably weren't like world champions, you know? Mm-hmm. Like because a lot of the really good guys are really good jiu-jitsu guys, but they're not good at building a foundation for other people to understand jiu-jitsu, to be able to translate what they know into like a series of techniques – that are scalable and simplified because I think especially now in this day and age with jujitsu and the way, you know, rich raised me was that Eric, you don't care about giving up a position. And I know in points in jujitsu, this goes against everything that's ever said. 
And he's like, and it really depends on why you train jujitsu. I train jujitsu because I want to be a sub hunter, right? I want to learn the best, most technical route, and I want to be comfortable in any position and know the most efficient ways to get out of it. I don't care if I give up my back temporarily because you'll never get hooks in, right? I will just, you know, roll through it. And so I don't play a game that's, if you watch me, Danny, I'll try and flow, give up positions. I don't, you know, like I, I, I don't do a lot of traditional things where it's like, well, you would forfeit points there, 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 right? And so how you train and what you're looking to achieve through jujitsu, I would probably not do well in an IBJJF point scenario based on how my jujitsu and based on how I train. But in a sub-only 15-minute match or a deeper rounds where those things don't matter, then yeah, it's actually going to be well. And so how you train jujitsu, I think either way, in today's era, it's, you know, going back to what Jake said, it's, it's, what techniques can you do that you could simplify to such a level and make such an impact in jujitsu, right? Where if you were going to learn anything to start, what it would be and where would you go from there? And how could you build a system or you could say a methodology on how to teach jujitsu and systemize it? And that's becoming better and better. You know, you see the Danahers, the Gavals, like these world-class guys. And just look at their gyms. Look at how many world champions. Like, it's not hard to look at the fighters that are competing at the top of the levels and see the top 10 schools that are pumping them out. Yeah. You know, like, guys are getting it. The jiu-jitsu that's being done today is the best jiu-jitsu that's ever existed in the world. You know, there's there's no 100%. Mr. Miyagi living in the forest of Cambodia practicing some BJJ that's like, oh, he's, once he gets here, he's going to unleash the titan and everyone's going to, you know, beat him. Miyagi! Yeah. Like, I saw Mortal Kombat last night, not the segue, <laughs> but it is... Fantastic. Not the segue. Yeah, it's so it's good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, awesome. Especially, awesome. I don't know, did you play Mortal Kombat, the games? Oh, I played yeah. the arcade version. Okay, so Jake, if you were yes. going up against Liu Kang, what would happen? <laughs> I would probably get bicycle kicked in the face. Are you kidding <laughs> okay, me? Okay, what would be the other <laughs> thing that would happen? <laughs> um, I would Imanari roll him and kill him. No, no, no. So he, yeah, what if oh. I don't want to spoil the movie, but there's a lot of parts that they do that play off a lot of social scenarios that happened between people and brotherhoods that played the game. And there's a okay. lot of dynamics that they drew um, from those scenarios that they knew that happened that were really, really cool to see and were very well done and unique without spoiling it. Okay. Um, and so I, I played a lot of the games, by the way. So. Yeah, and then if you did, there would probably have been a time, for instance, where you were fighting against your buddy, and he pinned you against a wall. And he did the same move repeatedly, over and yeah. over. And what did you say? Stop, please. Is that the only move you know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, Sorry, that's, that's no, I just not... did like stuff like that. Like I, I don't, I don't want to spoil for your fans viewers, but it's like there's so many movies where it's like I, you know, as a person who played with my brother and would just get smashed, but I'd get him up against the wall and just you know, bottom sweep kick them over and over, you know, uh, it's, it's, there's tons of parts like that. Plus no one can hate on Sub-Zero and Scorpion, man. If you're, you know, yeah, if you're any, in your, if you're any sort of fan of Mortal Kombat, you have to yeah. be a, a I'm fan a true, of that. I'm a true, That's the original rivalry. Yeah. I'm a true Naruto fan though. And then, uh, you know, Dragon okay. Ball Z, obviously. Guy Sensei versus Kakashi, dude. Well, Kakashi all day. Duh. 
but I like guys. Okay. I like Rock Lee. Dude, I have not seen too much of Naruto. Oh, I've but, seen all of it. Dude, Rock Lee versus Gara will will go down as one of the coolest moments in all of anime history. And he's like, yeah. you really think he's going to get faster by dropping a couple pounds of weight? And then it's like... Yeah, but you don't know. Those things had runes on them. They could have been 100 pounds each. And then he broke through... <laughs> you know what I'm doing. Look at this. Yeah, look at me. Guy Sensei! Oh man! Sorry, no, I, I can't it. help but develop an impression of, of of things. Do it, no, I've I've if, if I would support you in all Naruto impersonations. Yeah, it'd be. Uh, yeah, did guy, you hear the guy I, that like wrote that whole thing passed away, or the guy that voiced? No, it? yeah, oh man, the anime, it's crazy. It's crazy. That's what getting old does, Jake. You get to look forward to it, buddy. You die eventually. <laughs> no, like people, you. <laughs> How is that not what you were going to say? That is like legit what just happened. People on shows that wrote shows you had growing up, they die. Not, well, I mean, oh, so I'm not gonna? Dies. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, it, hopefully, dork. science can grow to a place, you know? Like, no. No, you People need so? to die. People need to. Mm. Adds I value to life. If you, don't, if you have an unlimited amount of life, you would not need to do anything cool with your life ever because you could just literally do it later. No, see, I'm – But because you have a limited amount of time, that's an intrinsic mile marker no. to need to get some things in life done. Like you don't think I could just be 85 still kicking, yeah. still doing amazing – Because I would look the other just like 85-year-olds just as kicking as you are. So you'd have more time to raise the bar if you were actually good at doing stuff. Aang was 112 <laughs> years old, and he was the avatar. No. My idea is if what do you I can know? Forever, that's factual. If I can live forever or Elon Musk, you know, if you're watching this, Elon, I believe in you. You you do your thing. Get that chip out. I'll be first up. You're kidding. Uh we're not gonna get we're not gonna get <laughs> into joking. I was about to say that I'm to say that to me. You don't know. No, he's developing a chip to that. cure Alzheimer's. So like it'll uh, make it so your brain doesn't like degenerate electrical impulses but they say you're supposed to get like a 10 percent mental increase off of it jake imagine if like boom i don't 10% care smarter no i don't need that i'm already 10 percent smarter just kidding <laughs> like, so i'm just perfect. joking i couldn't even say that uh i'm like lucy i'm gonna turn into my computer here in a second you know, but it's like um, pre-workout for your brain you could say except for you're always on it you know we've taken a horrible tangent here okay. i know I'm we like, went like thinking of my next question danny's like what is anime Danny what is anime off, we're not gonna edit it we're not gonna edit it but yeah right. so, so my next question that i had written down <laughs> that i wanted to ask you was so we know you're a partner in eug yep. at what point did you kind of put the pieces together and say hey i have all this great business experience now i'm i'm deep into the world of jiu-jitsu like i want to do something to bring the two together and come up with a promotion yeah so i'm a i own a mike i own a few different companies um when i my core selling cell phones and telecom. I own a telecom brokerage, and I also own Airbnb firm. And both of those got hit pretty hard in COVID. And so I spent a lot of the time rebuilding them and realizing, man, like, yeah, these are great. They're profitable. They're great companies. They make great impact. I want to keep them. As I started getting older, I wanted something that was going to play off the strengths and the things I'd spent years building. Um, and BJJ was a huge part of that. And I had known Hector for about five years. Um, you know, I've grappled at his gym. I've watched him build his different, you know, uh, gyms and organizations. And um, I was hearing whispers that he was doing something. Um, and to be honest, at first, I was just going to be a sponsor. 
Um, I was coming in with a check to just put one of my company's logos on and be a part of it. And then when he was talking about where he wanted to go with it and what he wanted to do, there was a lot of foundation there that I realized, well, man, I can really augment what I know in my local resources in the Las Vegas Valley, you know, with Rotary and my community development, the companies I've spent the last eight years building to bring a real guest experience around this and make this more than just we're going to host shows, you know, every couple months and, and really elevate that experience. I felt that if you were going to do something, at least on a professional level, I'm not talking, you know, amateur Naga or, you know, all the local amateur promotions that do stuff, but I'm saying a paid event with black belts, professionals in their craft, you know, like you guys know, like mm-hmm. the people we're bringing on are not unknowns. No one's like, who are these people? Um, and so once we got to talking, I, I realized I was like, hey, Hector, you know, have you ever considered taking on a partner for this? Um, and to be honest, he was like, well, yeah, people had approached me already, but they, uh, he was, he was put off because people felt like they were gonna, he owed them something without even bringing anything yet to the table. And so he was very wary of the idea. Um, and so I kind of had to pitch him on what I thought EUG could be in addition to it and what I could bring as far as the values of the business side and um, you know, vendor relations and trying to build the community side of it, you know, bringing Las Vegas to the table for EUG, not just being another company that operated, but if you realized and, you know, props to the UFC again, they've shown kind of how to run a professional event in Las Vegas. They went from five years ago from a, a you know California company that was just moving in to now when you think of the UFC, you think of Las Vegas. Right, you think of them not just as a billboard, but as a community partner. People show up because they trust and they understand the value of that production. Right, it's a household name. That's the goal that I want for EUG. Because as I'm passionate about the roots I put in Las Vegas, I've actually built and bred here. I've you know I've I've put in all of my entrepreneurial spirit here. And so, um, I said, you know, what what would it take to do that? And we came to terms on what that would look like and how we would shape it. Um, and really, you know, within a short period of time, put together what needed to be done to to make EUG1 happen. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I, I'm not sure if even anyone knew besides the guy who was wearing the suit and giving people checks at the end <laughs> who I was. I have, I have a great photo of uh, Mateus Luna, uh, like, like, standing next to me shirtless like a, like a god. Like l- looking down at me, real. writing his like as I'm writing his check, like <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so oh you know I think it just like you know, um, but no I I the really cool thing that you know doing in, was that you get to I want it for the passion right I want to be able to work with grapplers and build a foundation you know my whole career growing up most of my friends you know, or aspiring UFC fighters, you know, they're, they're just getting into, you know, like props to Ryder Newman. He just got in the ultimate fighter house. Like, you know, like I've, you know, a lot of these guys, I, I kind of know personally and do this, but I've never been able to have an impact besides let me sponsor you here. Let me, let me put a logo on your yeah. shorts. And while I've done that, I, I wanted a way to really put my teeth into it, to really have a reason to to you know to to put behind it but i didn't think i could do that comfortably until i reached a brown belt you know i don't i don't feel like mm-hmm. i felt like i would just be a businessman pretending like i knew something instead of having like the understanding of what it what it actually means to have that 
you know, and so um, that that was the goal behind it. Whether we're gonna, there's gonna be challenges along the way as we try and grow it, but um, man, if we if we can win over the city and provide a true guest experience, there'll be no limit, right? I mean, that's the core key. We will attract the best athletes if we can bring in the best guests because everything else will roll, right? And if we can provide a fighter experience, you know, make them, you know, feel taken care of, not, you know, taken advantage of, um, you know, we're not leaving the bad taste in people's mouth where they feel like, you know, they were, you know, misunderstood something and and then they don't have communication on it. Like, you know, we're we're trying to make sure we do things right from a communication standpoint. And there's going to be bumps along the way with that, but... You know, when you're trying to do things at the levels that we're aspiring to, I think you're going to have stuff like that. But clear, concise communication, having clarity up front, making sure you're trying to recruit the best people, you know, not people that are going to accept a check. I think that's almost a trap sometimes. You know, I think, um, you know, getting people that their heart's in the right place, they actually care about what they do. You know, like, you know, it goes back to are you taking notes? Are you thinking about what you want to do? You know, like I dream about EUG. You know, I'm not saying it haunts my thoughts, but more often than not, I'm literally setting up events in my head, grappling, looking at things, or sometimes seeing the collapse of an event (laughs) or like me screwing up in the event, right? And so (laughs) it shows you you're on the right track though, because if you actually care about what you're doing, right, then, then it should drive you that much. You know you're in the right place. I worry when my brain's wandering and I don't have anything to focus on. I don't have anything to apply that energy to. Um, that's when the, the the lost is. And then I know I got to get in the gym. I need to grind out rounds. I need to sharpen the sword, so to speak, you know? So. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you talked about your goals for EUG and how you want yeah. it to grow and everything. But you guys set the bar really high with your first event. Like You, you think had, so? Oh, <laughs> unbelievably high. Like, just look, if you just look at the lineup of, of those grapplers, like, Pretty much, if you follow the sport even just a little yeah, bit, I just, you, kn- you know a lot of those guys. So m- maybe you're speaking more from like a production standpoint. Not even the or, production, uh, the fighters and everything else. Absolutely. I mean, props to everyone that was on there. They did a fantastic job. Like, absolutely. What I'm speaking from is from the guest perspective as far as, you know, the Las Vegas side. That we could completely okay. do that. We could make things more comfortable. We could have a way more immersive experience for the guests. You know, we could we could clean up so many things that I think when we want to reach the levels we want to, we'll look back and say, well, yeah, I mean, we kind of hodgepodge that a little bit. And I know we had the best lineup and that was the case and we delivered on that. And those are really positives. Um, I'm just as a person, I'm always very hesitant to pat myself on the back because my brain is yeah. logical by choice. It says, you know, like it's like, you know, when you had a really good round with somebody and they tapped you. And they're like, oh, you did great. And it's like, well, yeah, kind of. But I'm aware of where the gaps were. And so, uh, you know, I I like the constructive criticism. And, you know, our fighters are on point. Like our team, Mike, in recruiting, you know, and and, and pulling them. And, you know, our matchmaker. And, you know, Hector doing his piece. And Eric, you know, doing his creative design piece. Like we have a really good team. I'm responsible for the other pieces. And I know where, you know, at least from that, the team is going to do their stuff. I have no doubt that EUG, from a production standpoint of always hosting shows and having the best athletes and taking care of them, that will always be the case. But I think you you owe Las Vegas a higher, a guest, a higher class of service 
when you do that because there's an expectation um, that we've raised through all of my companies because of that. When you manage vacation rentals, it's not about having linens. It's about having five-star linens. It's not about having pillows. It's about having the greatest pillows. It's about not having, about having a mattress. It's about having one that someone actually wants to sleep on. It's about having napkins somebody always wants to wipe their face on, toilet paper they actually want to wipe their butt with. <laughs> Right? It's not about having the cheapest of everything and having it look good on video and paper. It's having the actual true guest experience be so good that it accents everything else. And I think we were really good on the production side. All the fighters gave their all. All of the fans showed up and were so great and they were really taken care of. But I think we can do so much more than that and we're excited to show that you know and so like that's that's where my take is on it and that's i i should that's my job to clear those gaps hopefully after eug2 we'll we'll build a latch back and be like oh we delivered on that you know but well you know that what's kind of cool about being uh <clears throat> involved with the event especially you know um i commentated yeah, the last one, and I and I had a lot of responsibilities for the last one, oh, huge. and 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 Danny was was a part of the event in a in a huge way as well. He was handing me notes. Me and him were talking yep. between fights. We did it, uh, as much as we could. One of the biggest things about uh, and I speak for I'm not going to speak for Danny, but I'm pretty sure Danny agrees with me, so I can just say it. Yeah, um, we care so much not just about obviously we care about the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu community because we are deeply invested. We are entrenched. They are yeah. our we are family, right? But I care about combat sports. I'm passionate about the personal athletics of yeah. combat sports. I always have been. I've been following the UFC since I was eight years old. So yeah. for me, uh, commentating a production that I felt, wow, okay, they're having us come. Like As soon as the – I forget his name, but uh, Christian. Christian's yeah. the man's name. Mm-hmm. Told him I'd remember that because I am a Christian. But he's like, <laughs> hey, show up, show up to dress rehearsal. Show up to dress rehearsal at 3 o'clock. And I'm like – pardon you dress rehearsal <laughs> and he just goes yeah dress rehearsal you got to be here so we can go over all the production and i'm just like oh this is for real i was like this is not a joke <laughs> oh yeah because <laughs> because usually it's like hey you want to commentate come on the mic come here bud and it's like oh wow no. this is not that serious but when when i was because i brought a suit to the event because i wanted to wear a suit i looked awful in the pictures i don't know how <laughs> i wore that suit dude i'm putting on weight right now just so i look better in a suit why um, that be? bro you get them fitted I, I, mine wasn't fitted, dude. I no, went to men's warehouse here in Arizona. So I did too, and on a on literally a minute notice, the lady was like, I'll "Yeah, but you got it. You. you got yours fitted. I got mine. Like I'm a skinny dude, man. They do. I'm, it I'm, all. They measure your weight. Yeah, I know, but I didn't do it back then, Eric Astromeki. That's what I'm saying. Listen, I got that I got suit when I was like right 17 here. years old. Listen, I got that suit when toe. I was. Oh, dude, bring it. I'm gonna shirt and socks. Okay, you got it. Because but my point was. Danny and I care so much about the combat sports community in general and about bringing a proper production that uh, we are super excited to be even working on EUG in general. But like uh, we were talking a little bit before the show about bringing it like as the events go on, as we do more events, we got to bring it. I feel like and this is me speaking to you because I haven't really spoke to you about this um, since the show. Uh, I was because of the overwhelming not overwhelming but because it didn't overwhelm me but it was like whoa i got a lot to do yeah, yeah because yeah. of the implications of commentary with rich uh rich allen who i never met before yeah and mikey so uh, many variables to throw whole, at you 
it's so many. And <laughs> announcing the fights, which, by the way, I want to do that again because I can bring it oh, next no, time, Oh, no, no. We're, to- we're doing everything the same. Awesome. But there's just um, more announcements. Fantastic. Cool. So <laughs> that's the note-taking. I, um, <laughs> yeah. That's the note-taking. I'm going to – like, because I held back a little bit because I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I, I don't want to, like, lose my voice. We but- didn't give you the right to own the show either. We threw things in there. You had to do it. Now you'll have a lot more autonomy to – to do Danny and I are going to bring it. And I think what's amazing, and I'm going to speak for Danny on this one, is you're going to be very impressed with Danny O'Donnell. Uh, Danny, Danny is, Danny is a, a, such a big part of this podcast that, uh, I mean, you saw me because I'm like naturally, man, my ADHD is off the charts. I'm, yeah. I'm all over the place. With yeah. notes, I'm great. <laughs> yeah, you think so? Uh, but Danny is very formulated. So me and him on a commentary booth are we're a team and it makes sense and it's a production so it's not thrown together yeah, it's yeah, formulated yeah. it's planned it's practiced oh, you can see that and i'm really really excited for eug2 because i know for a fact we're gonna blow the roof off yeah and i'm and it's and it's still gonna be the fighter show we're just gonna be like i want people to think of eug or anything we're a part of really yeah. as wow that that that's a professional team like those yeah. guys are espn level team um, no, I, I said so. this to I said this to Kenny, my professor, because uh, he's like my he's like one of my parents. You know what I mean? He's like my dad. Uh, he tells me you're only as good as the rivals you choose. Oh, 100%. so if you choose, if you go, hey, I want to be as good as uh, one of the best commentators in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Like, man, you got to be like, I want to be, I want to be better than one of the commentators on Showtime Boxing. Like yeah. I want to be I want to be as good as John Anik. I want to be as good as Kenny Florian. So that and I like I told that to Kenny when he was on the Open Guard cast and he was like, "Hey, that's 100% right." Yeah. So, I'm telling you right now Eric Gastromek, you give me a suit, you fit me in that bad boy, <laughs> you let me do some more sets of squats before I get there, and that's America's ass. <laughs> I think I have four photos of myself at the event. So we have a lot more of you. And the funny thing is, is at every angle, I see so many open guard casts because where you hung know, that yeah. thing was so well placed. <laughs> Between every photo of like either the mat or that back wall, props to props to whoever gave the prime location to, to you guys because that, that is everywhere. I see it everywhere. That micro branding is at work. I just went up to Hector. I was like, hey, is it cool if we hang this banner here? And he's like, uh, yeah. Go for it. Sure. Don't worry about it. So we'll, we'll allow that to, um, you know, and, you know, kind of segue into EUG2 and, and some of the things, yeah. you know, once again, being someone who's critical like that, we were looking to partner and raise the scale for the next event. This meant closing the gaps and bringing more in a more immersive experience to guests, giving them a reason to show up earlier and have an, a longer venue event time that would allow for families and friends and food and games and live music entertainment so the deal the idea was to formulate and partner with a partner that could deliver on those things and something that merged with our brand something that had a lot more of a uh, symbiotic relationship with grappling right because i think once again when you're trying to tie in the expectation of las vegas you know having the best athletes in the world you really need a brand or a partner that represents and encompass that or at least has an understanding um, to, to, to bring an alternate side to that. And so I'd love to tell you who that is. Unfortunately, we have a few more days potentially before we have clearance to give that release. Um, but when we do, um, it'll be a lot more than just a few social media posts. 
Um, It'll be a phone call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be like the bat phone. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's like the it's Metal Gear Solid ring. Podcast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I'll hop back in that day and just and lay it out because the in, the entire event is already planned. Um, the lineups are firmed. You know, everybody's in page. It's just execution. And so we're at that we're at that point where where we're we're waiting approvals and, and, and signatures by the right people. Um, but there is no questioning what it's going to be. It's can we make it happen and do we have the partner to it? And we're pretty sure we do. So my hope is that on the follow up of this I'll be able to lay out what I would love to show you right now. Um, you know, when <laughs> when this event was supposed to, when this podcast was supposed to happen, it was supposed to happen what, like May second or something and then you know, I, I step, it pushed forward, <laughs> so I could tease a little bit, but uh, we uh, I don't it's okay. have it. We'll, but uh, we'll we'll share every all the announcements on our social media, yeah. and we'll uh, but hopefully I'm, get people excited for them. <laughs> I'm excited. It's gonna be it should be a better experience for everybody, including the fighters too. Um, so I have a question for you. Um, might seem unrelated, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tie it in. So, did you happen to see the Jake Paul Ben Askren p- production? <gasps> I don't watch nonsense to be honest um i watched <laughs> a lot of highlights and clips from social media that i feel like i got the idea okay. yeah so i'm um, sure you, you got the idea just from yeah those clips and but then again but the re- my feeling was ben was in it for the 500k and really didn't care anyway because he's a goofy dude who's funny yeah and that's Definitely. the most like that's like you're gonna fight a nobody a can for 500k like like not really like Paul, I don't know. Like, I don't know who you are, but you're not a professional boxer. You would get whooped there, right? You're fighting people who don't know how to box. Um, you put anyone, like, anywhere against them you know, in a non-unorthodox rule set, and he's murdered. So, like, the fact that somehow yeah. I don't even know who promotes <laughs> stuff like that, but I'm amazed that many people want to see Thriller. that. That's a heck of a YouTube following, you know, because... Yeah. It's a lot of 12-year-olds. <laughs> That's I was like, but how do they... What is it like? Fifteen bucks for the pay per view, or how much is the pay per view? Uh, it was like fifty dollars. What was it really? I didn't pay for it. I told my buddy <laughs> oh, to. Fifty dollars? I was like, full, dude, that's a full UFC pay per view production. Holy cow! Well, I, I mean, think it's Snoop Dogg, brother. It's freaking oh, Snoop. They had all those stupid concerts. They turned into like dude, a concert lineup. That's what it was. Okay, it was okay. It, okay so it was like watching a four-hour-long TikTok, Eric. No. It was the yeah, it was, single. It was it was the single most cringeworthy production I've ever seen Four in my entire hour life. TikTok. <laughs> Bro, it was it was the single most cringeworthy production I've ever seen in my entire life. They're bringing out like like legends of the rap game and they're not even performing in front of a crowd. Like it's Justin Bieber's like running around lip-syncing a song like he's in front of a 10,000 packed audience and the guy is the guy's in front of nobody. <laughs> That's weird. And he's lip-syncing and I'm like, "Brother, why is he lip-syncing?" Like Justin because this is a production on TV. He doesn't need to put any effort into it. He could. He he's probably made running a, around though. <laughs> yeah, he's like running and like. I got my out in Georgia. Like he's doing all that, you know. That's the Justin Bieber song. Um, I know the song. So the reason I brought this up, if I can get back into. Oh that, yeah, sorry. You guys have any other comments on it? Sorry. No, it's awful. <laughs> We're just going on a real ta- tangent, but so so you mentioned a bunch of the things you want to do with EUG two mm-hmm. with. 
you know, making it like an experience for yeah. the for the viewers and the people in attendance and like live music and games and stuff. And I feel like with some broadcasts in the past, they've done that. And Triller was an example of that where they tried to make it. Like, no, it's not part of the broadcast. So there's an all day event and then the entire production will close at uh, 435 to only wristband and paid production guests. And then the entire venue is closed. This isn't a full oh, live stream okay. event. Okay. This is to give okay, friends, okay. families, people who may be coming into town a way more immersive experience that's way more dynamic. So instead of sitting in their hotel room or going to the mall or doing all of the other things they would normally do, we could choose a partner that would work with us to give somebody a real reason. Not having a fair outside and trying to do something in live stream and making right. it that way. No, no, no. Um Building on, so EUG is set at this venue regardless if the add-on happens. Um, and the idea is, is with the additional experiences we can build around this, there'd be a reason for maybe people to show up a bit earlier. Um, and maybe these people are necessarily people who are traveling for fighters. These could be people that are just coming into Las Vegas that are maybe potential new fans to jujitsu, right? Where they haven't experienced it, they haven't seen it. Right, Las Vegas is home to millions of people who bring in tens of millions of people a year. The sport needs to grow. The eyeballs we need to attract need to grow. This is the only way fighters, grapplers specifically, because grapplers, in my experience, and traditionally get paid very little and have to spend a lot of money driving to tournaments to try and rack up a lot of things before they even have potential to fight for a cash prize and it's so hard to do it because the waters at the top are so deep and if you could bring in eyes right and bring in the level of eyes that a lot of other sports have which frankly i find pretty boring then the overall sport will grow a true foundation not just from like a hey a, uh, a company level but from an impact level right and that's the impact of what las vegas could be right is where you don't get the traffic, right? And so, yeah, there's always going to be a body of people that come and they're already in the fly-in. But what about all the people that aren't going to, right? What are all the people that are looking for a dynamic experience and would like to see professional grappling and, and understand what it is to see that, right? There are plenty of people that went and saw a boxing match for the first time or went and saw an MMA fight. Why is professional grappling not as such commonplace that, Danny, you give me a weird face like, well, that seems uncommon. And it's like, well, only because our sport's not at a level where it's not like, if you were like, oh, I'm going to the boxing match tonight, no one's going to look at you weird and be like, wait, uh, okay. They'd be like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, who's fighting? You know what I'm saying? Why isn't our sport like that? Well, that's only because there haven't been enough eyes. At a corporate level and at a cultural level, there hasn't been enough impact made where grappling is as much as, as a household name as MMA is now and, and boxing was. And MMA fought really hard for that for the last 15 years. So, so they should have it. And it's still a struggle for, for, their, for their guys. Plenty of my friends are MMA fighters and amateurs trying to go pro and get in the UFC because to take anything else really means fighting, you know. Honestly, to be real with you guys, I know a lot of guys with blue check marks that struggle financially. You know, Instagram followers, oh, Twitter bet. followers, yeah. guys, don't be confused. That's not monetization. That's not that's not sponsors that are paying you money. And so a lot of the people that you see a really high skill level, they are, and they are professional. But they're not compensated like they should be. And it's because they're not able to attract enough eyes. You know, a, a pure example, and I think I told you guys, was this was DJ. 
He should have never been traded to the UFC for Ben Askren. That's the Agreed. dumbest trade in the world, and it was only because he couldn't market himself in such a way that the UFC felt to keep him. And that's, I think that's one of the worst trades, but it's a really good, it's a struggle of a lot of grapplers and professional fighters is there's not enough eyes, and they're not good marketers. And frankly, they mm. shouldn't be. They should just be really great grapplers, but the game is changing. You know, and so it's, I don't know what the sol- you know, the solution is. It's, you know, it's just trying to make an impact and bring as much of an eye, you know, as bring as many eyes to the table and an immersive experience around it. Because otherwise you won't pe- get people engaged. It's not about selling you a ticket once. It's how do we make you a flow fan? How do we make you follow IBJJF? You know, how do we get you to follow all these guys' Instagram so you become immersed in their life? How do we make you care about these people? right people care about like usman people care about jorge masvidal right they that's the reason people tune in and they've had success people don't know Mm -hmm. about any of these guys yes the jujitsu community does and we're large and we're growing but there's not as much crossover of other stuff you know our sport is kind of lacking behind that we're doing better but we got room to make up i feel like the ufc does a really great job of telling the stories of the fighters and they get people like you said entrenched in their personal lives Mm -hmm. and people want to know what they're eating for breakfast Mm -hmm. what their workout routines Mm -hmm. like when they're not just training in mma so yeah i think just the fact that that's part of eug's vision i think is going to be huge for the sport like you're trying to tell the stories you're trying to sell not just the event but the fighters themselves yeah and and then bring in real value to the fighters you know like Fight kits, some of the little things where it's like, give the guys nice stuff, you know, like. I want one of those tracksuits. Yeah, like, <laughs> like give them nice jackets to wear. Don't give cheap jackets. No one wears cheap jackets, regardless what logos yeah. on it. You know what I'm saying? It's just in Vegas, a little bit more goes a long way. And when you do a little bit more in every scenario, it's like extra credit. It's like staying after practice and doing 30 minutes of extra work. It doesn't seem like much. But after five years, you know, at least it took me five years. It might have taken Jake like a year because he's so good at jujitsu, you know. <laughs> All those what? 30 minutes of extra credit turns into like two hours for him. Uh, uh, his retainment rate is so high. Uh, I'm not going to say uh, conform, or, confirm or deny that I <laughs> learn quickly. Yeah? How long did it but take yes. you to get I'll your con- black belt? I'll confirm it. Uh, I trained from, uh, eight years old until 21. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a couple kids. I started when I was, I started when I was a child. So you went through all the kid belts. Yes. I had to go through the children's. I was a child. That's so interesting. You're the first person I've ever met that went through that system. Really? That's a black belt. Yeah. I know kids that are in that system that I've worked with for the last six years. What about uh, Gianni Grippo? He went through that system. Oh, I did. Well, that was the first time meeting him at the event. Shout out to Gianni for the oh, roles. Man. Thanks, bro. Yeah. You're awesome. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> you will always have credit in my book, brother. If you ever need anything, call me. I got you. Like, dude was <laughs> insane. Like, He's very, very cool. I really like Gianni Grippo as well. Um, okay. One of the reasons, I mean, you talk a lot about marketing. You know, and and that's uh, one of the things that I, I mean, I don't know if you've, you've noticed how uh, I ask you about marketing a lot, <laughs> and uh, also I really want to I want to learn better how to do it because like with um, you know, certain things like like marketing myself as a commentator, mm-hmm. as an analyst, as a podcaster, and as an athlete, not just as an athlete. Like I am not just an athlete, and I think right. that's part of my yeah. niche as well as Danny. Like Dan- well, Danny, um not as prolific a competitor as I am, I would say like I've been competing and, been and actively competing. <laughs> well, everyone would say, I guess, but you yeah. got, you understand what yeah. I'm saying. Um, 
So that's kind of where I want to fill in and learn more about my own, uh, like where where I fit in, as yeah. far as you know how to market myself. And uh, that's one thing I'm certainly working on. It is difficult, but uh, I'm working on it. Yeah, it's I backed into marketing myself to be honest. You know, you could tell from the amount of followers I have on social media, I did very little of it. Um, but I can tell you this as a person who had very little, you know, social interaction with people my age uh, throughout their 20s. You know, most of my friends were business owners, people who were professionals in their career by a long field. You know, I was always the dumbest guy in the room, um, whether it was jujitsu or in business. And I always took that, like, you surround me by the smartest people. Eventually, I'll become like 10% smarter and I'll be able to figure my way out. It'll take a long time, but I'll figure, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Um and, and and that was basically it. And through necessity and backing myself into corners, I had to create companies to try and save myself. So I don't know that I'm a successful marketer, but I can tell you this. The relationships that I now have from actively failing on a professional level in multiple companies over the last 12 years has lended me a lot of trust from a lot of people that frankly scare me. Like the amount of trust that they have in somebody that's like, hey, I I know how scared I was when I pulled the trigger on this. And you look at me like, wow, you're a genius. And I was like, no, we just kind of maybe skinned by on this one. But I appreciate once again, you know, like, you know, when you almost get out of a choke and they're like, oh, great escape. And it's like, no, I almost died. Like, you, you know, like <laughs> it's a really good way of putting you it. You know, like I almost died. I appreciate it. But you don't know how close that was, you know, um, and, and, and business, the more you do that the more people who follow you, you know, will see your failures and see you overcome them. And even if you do, they'll always trust and they'll see that you do it in such a way that you care about other people. You know, I'll give you a kind of a quick business quote here, but this is a real, something that I really try and live by. There are two types of leaders in this world. There are those that lead by position and there are those that lead by permission. And I'll tell you the difference between them. When you first start work, and you work at a fast food restaurant, or at least I did, or some, you know, the first job you ever have, odds are you don't have a boss that you like. They don't inspire you to do anything. You will do what they tell you because they hold a position of authority over you. And if you don't, you know there will be consequences. And so with that position, you get a little bit. You can tell employees what to do. People trust you a little bit. They'll do that. But you'll never inspire them to be more. And then there are people that lead by permission. And those are people that... They will ask more of you than anyone else, but they will show you and they will fail in such a way that you'll be able to have faith that you can do it too. And if you follow them, you will probably get in situations that you're uncomfortable with, but you know with their help, you'll be able to see it through. And the problem is, is that's really scary, right? Because you have to really put tremendous trust and, and, and do those types of things. But I always try to be the leader. I've always be the type of person that I will bury myself in work and I will do it in every company and I will fail forward so many times that I try to learn in a year what most people would risk in five, right? I wasn't the smartest guy and my thing was when I started was everyone in my career fields had families so they could only work eight hours a day. I said, I'll work 16, you know, and it's just numbers, you know, and so that's it. Just be genuine and do what you like yourself. You're on the right path, Jake. But as far as like 
you know, social media famous, like none of that stuff matters. In fact, it'll almost corrupt you, you know, because you'll mm. still be broke, you know, like you, you need the right people to see that you actually care about what you do and tie your success with theirs. You know, like Hector had no reason to bring me on as a partner for EUG. It was only through understanding an active failure and him seeing me build companies and actively fail and me seeing him do it that you even have the trust of somebody. Like Hector is not a person that needs any help, but he can see the value of somebody when they come along and they're doing it with honesty and integrity and they're doing it with an idea that's going to benefit somebody. And that's ultimately like what leadership is about. And that's what building a following is about. Right, because you don't, Jake. You don't want a million followers. You want a million followers that actually care about what you say and are going to yeah. be engaged, and you're going to be able to make mm -hmm. an impact with. If you wanted a million followers, Danny can tell you there's a website you can buy it from, right? Yeah, but it's it, true. But it doesn't matter because you're not looking for that. What you want is a deeper level of engagement, and you're wondering how you can show your base that, and how do you do it that you're not doing it for them, but you're doing all the things for yourself. And that requires you being, you risking failure in front of people. And that's that's like what all of us do. Like no one, it's like when you go to grapple or you, like I fought competitively. The same thing you feel before fighting is the same thing you feel before a fight. It's the same thing you feel when you're about to fail at a company that like, you know, mm -hmm. oh, I can't go back. Oh, the door's locking, the cage is locking. Oh, that bell just rang. I guess I'm touching gloves now. You know, like, yeah, for sure. The more moments you put yourself where you're like in that fight or flight moment, that's it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Practice rising to the no, occasion. That's, that's really, yeah. really great. But advice. you got to put yourself in scenarios where rising to the occasion actually makes the most impact for yourself. Yes. Well, I mean, you can, I love that you related it to fighting because it's something that I've been doing yeah. since, I, since I was a kid as well. Even, uh, I used to struggle very much with confidence, uh, oh, just generally. Yeah. And this is going to sound silly, but I used to to build my – because I wanted to build my confidence so badly. Uh, first of all, I have a lot of faith, and, I, and I'm uh, a very devout Christian, right? And that helped a lot, obviously, because, I mean, come on now. But uh, I started doing karaoke, and this is – it sounds silly, but it's no. very nerve-wracking to oh, do yeah. something so honest in front of other people. And I always if, – if I ever – like um, – talking to somebody who's like how why are you so confident and they're younger than me i'm always like hey you should go to a karaoke bar and just do karaoke <laughs> and they're like why and i'm like you ever sang in front of people they're like no i'd never do that i'm like exactly well karaoke is a place where they expect you to not be good and if you're good then they have a positive reaction and if yeah. you're not you still did something honest in front of somebody and you're you are the center of attention and it's not even in a facetious way or a selfish way. Yeah. It's just no. you're putting yourself in a position to do something that requires honesty because singing is an honest thing. If you try to suck, you, like you can tell when somebody's trying to suck and you can oh, tell yeah. when someone's trying. Yeah. So it's something honest that you can do that is practice in front of a crowd. I'm not saying that like I like commentating and I feel comfortable because I sing karaoke. I'm saying that it's, a, it's an easy exercise that is readily available at a restaurant. You can do for free. Yeah. And you can practice your confidence. It's yeah. almost like public speaking in a way, which also I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna be taking classes on public speaking and and um, take a speech class as well to improve my commentary. But so I can I can uh, not to, yeah. not to cut you off there, but I wanted no, to. Don't. So I, I I struggle with the same thing my whole life. In fact, mm -hmm. you know, um, one of my biggest fears, especially as I had success, was I recognized the corners I could cut that would lead me to my goal faster, but would corrupt me. 
Mm-hmm. And so as especially as somebody who had tremendous financial success in their early 20s because I outworked and when I reaped a lot of rewards, I recognized my own potential for real selfishness. And so what I didn't want is I wouldn't challenge and, and what I needed to do was find a group of mentors that were smarter than me by such a long shot that I couldn't think I'm the smartest guy in the room and convince myself and my ego that I was. I recognized that was my number one that was going to happen unless I put in measures to do that. And I also needed to put in place measures or opportunities, social scenarios that could in place where I could speak publicly or do these things, which I was tremendously afraid of as well. Um, and sales and talking to people only gets you so far because then your class of people you're talking to grow up and you're still a child in their eyes, right? Because mm-hmm. as you guys know in jujitsu, as good as you are, there's always somebody better, right? Of course. And you're not going to walk in with a chip on your shoulder because you don't do that anymore. And so I joined mm-hmm. Rotary and these people were, this is basically an organization that everything you do, imagine if you had the best doctor, lawyer, accountant, the 1% of all of their crafts coming together in the community and everything they do had to benefit it. Masters of their craft, right? Not just people showing up, training business, but the true experts in each of their fields. They ran budgets that were larger than mine that I had never seen. They ran programs that they had all built over 20 years that raised thousands of dollars for the community. These were individual people that had come up with these things. And then you hear their stories of how they struggled and what they went through and the losses they endured. And you realize that there aren't many people that are different than what you go through. Everyone does it, but there are people that give up and they stop finding a reason to do it, right? And so... Rotary, in essence, gave me what I needed. Through that, I learned public speaking. I learned how to look at budget sheets that were millions of dollars and learn how to run profitable companies and surround myself with mentors that, you know, run hedge funds and have their names on companies that have been around for hundreds of years. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it's all about is raising the bar for yourself and finding mentors constantly, putting yourself in rooms with people and all of those different areas, not in just jujitsu, but in your company. And then if you have a company, you have to do it in every one of your companies because what's good for a telecom company isn't good for EUG and what's good for EUG doesn't work for a vacation rental company. And it's hard to do. It requires personal self-development. You know, and you have to be critical of yourself all the time, which means you'll never really feel satisfied. And that in turn affects your confidence. All you know, though, and I'm pretty sure you have this, Jake and Danny, because you guys are black belts. And this is what I wanted from a black belt. And I think I am beginning to feel it now as a brown. I just wanted the confidence that whatever scenario I put myself in, I could figure out a way out. Mm. Right? I may take damage. I may get my ass beat. You know what I'm saying? I may get choked out. I may be like, you know what I'm saying? You just take beatings. It's part of it, you know? But like, yeah, I just want to know that I'll survive and I'll be able to keep moving forward. And I think that's like the true thing we want is like, we just want to feel that regardless of what scenario comes at us, you know, at least so far from what I've been able to feel and figure out. Cause I kept thinking a new company will do it, a new home. You know, and I'm saying something new. And while I liked pursuing all of it, it was, you know, it, it became eventually a little bit more than that. So, you know, we all struggle. No one's different. So I think I took over the rant there. Sorry, Danny. That was No, me. no, that's awesome. I feel like that's great advice, not just for, like, jujitsu, business, like, any area. You have life, to be selfless like. and you can't be selfish. And the second you think mm-hmm. that, like, you know, because you'll stop doing the work. You'll stop doing the little things that got you there. 
because you'll think you're yeah. too good for them. You know, it's like when you get in shape and you're able to stay shape and you have good cardio, and then you take like four days off, and you come back and you're like, what the, what, what happened? Yeah. I'm getting steamrolled. All I had was only barbecue days. over three days. You know, like this wasn't <laughs> even. This shouldn't be like that. And you just life proves to you in jujitsu is that it's constant humility. You can't show up. You get immediately shown in jujitsu if you're slacking. Yeah. If you're in the right room, at least. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's really beautiful that I mean, jujitsu has this example as well. Uh, how liberating and how freeing it is to live for other people, and how yeah. freeing it is to your own success is a byproduct of living to serve. Yeah. So, because I believe very strongly that what you put into other, like if you live for yourself, mm -hmm. then you can only make yourself so happy. Mm -hmm. But if you live to make others happy, there will always be someone else you can make happy. hundred percent. Um, so, and if, and if you, tr if you find enjoyment in making others, it, making other people's lives better, then you will never run out of a resource to do what you love. Yeah. And what you love is now so much more encompassing than living selfishly. Yeah. Well, and uh, that's that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast is yeah. we just absolutely adore our community and we yeah. love the people we interview. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm 100% though with that too. But for any leaders that are watching, you know, you need to make sure that you can make people feel good. But you need to mm -hmm. more importantly that you teach them and you tie their passions to be able to make themselves. Teach them how to make themselves feel good. Teach them how to put themselves in scenarios where they can replicate it by themselves and they don't need pats on the back. They know that yes. they can get through those dark times without it. I think, I think you have a spectrum of people. I think you have people that you need a little bit more encouragement. You know, Sometimes they can't make it to the gym, life problems and stuff. But then again, I know... You know, the part of me says, well, at a certain level, and especially at Black Belt, you just got to decide if you want it. And you got to decide that you either want to do everything it takes to compete at that level and accept the results of that, or understand that maybe you didn't, you cut some corners, you had a little bit more food than you should, you didn't train as much as you, you know, should have, and then you really didn't want to be a world champion, right? You liked the idea of it more than like the actual grind, you know? Coming from a gym that pumps out world champions, um, you know, at least on the MMA side, shout out Extreme Couture, Francis Nagano, Eric Nixick, dropping bodies. Um, but, uh, I want to roll with Nagano when I come to Vegas. <laughs> I don't. I do. No. That sounds fun. He's I've rolled hit with me. Ryder Newman plenty of times throughout his career and he's a stud. He got in the ultimate fighter house and I, he was the video punching Nagano in the stomach. I don't know if you saw that float social media. <laughs> Ryan Garcia? Yeah. No, uh, Ryder, Ryder Newman. So he was, you know, there. So, uh, and then obviously, you know, you have all the studs, Danny Gay, you know, all those yeah. you know, dudes. Like, there's a ton of them. But I'm just saying, like, there's there's a mentality that, like, especially that comes with, you know, that jam of, like, you know, burn the boats. Like, what if you showed up on the island, you burned the boats every time? You made it that retreat was never an option. Like, you just had to go forward. You had to see whatever it was through. And you had to do that in every spec every aspect of your life all the time. Like, it'd be extremely mentally wearing and exhausting, right? You could understand why somebody says, you know what? World champion's not a life for me. You know, like, I I maybe got up for a year, five years, but 10. Like, mad respect to the guys like, you know, Jake or any guys that's 15, 16, you know, it's 20 years in the game at the age. And, like, you're, you see the damage, you know? Like, you see the physicality of it, you know, the damage to your fingers and your legs and, like, you know, torn stuff. And, I mean... Our sport's real. It's got real repercussions, you know? Like, there is no world champion that hasn't suffered injuries or has, you know, damage to their body and hasn't risked their life, well-being, and, 
you know, slept underneath bridges, you know, to speak, to make their dream come true. At least I don't know of anyone that's had an easy way to a title on, at least on a grappling scene. Have you guys? I, I mean, no, Absolutely because not. the title stand for them. It's so easy to know if someone's a phony now, you know, there aren't many fake black belts walking around, uh, anymore. That's kind of a thing of the past, you know? Yeah. Good. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a. I'm not. I'm not You're not a fake black belt proponent, f- Jake. You know. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I know, contrary to popular belief, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I'm not a big fan of guys who promote themselves to black belt. <laughs> that's a um, thing. I didn't even know you could do. No, never mind. That's happened. Yeah, rolling. Sorry, yeah, I got promoted by happens. God. Which, <laughs> I don't believe that. I can't. You know, I, I just. Uh, I never read. Thou shalt promote thyself. It's I think they say everything against that, right? Yeah, well, you know what's funny is you said teach somebody how to like you feed a man, uh, you feed a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach a man a fish, you feed him for life. It's like, hey, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. You're teaching them yeah. how to lead other people. So well, that's what giving somebody on, an now. opportunity is, and then the freedom to do it. Right? It's like, hey, if you're going to give somebody the freedom, and responsibility to do something, like EUG one. It wouldn't have been fair to us to come and say, hey, you need to do this, and it's a live event. Oh, and by the way, you have to do it this exact way, right? Um, because you need people to feel that sense of responsibility and ownership, go through that trial and tribulation, and to have that higher reasoning and purpose coming out the other end. When you belittle them, micromanage them, and and use authority of position over them instead of an authority of permission. See, see, I feel like, not to say anything else, but like you trust me, Jake, and so therefore you're willing to come back to the next event and raise Damn your right. game, right? But there would have been easy for me to come in and say, hey, Jake, you said you were going to do this. Take these, take these fucking notes. Like, do it this exact way. Like, go up on every stage and do it just because you said you were going to do it and you committed it. Like, you're going to go – you know what I'm saying? You can treat – like, there are plenty of leaders out there that just expect things, right, and expect you to just do them because they asked you to, right? They're not there to inspire. Yes. They don't care about you. They don't want to build anything. They just want you to do whatever they ask you to do. And I think mm-hmm. – that doesn't work long term. I'm in the business of building relationships, which means you actually have to care about people. And if you don't care about them, don't work with them. Spend a little bit more time and find the right guy you'll be invested in. And that's what I mean for leaders is just because somebody can do your job and they'll accept it doesn't mean they're the best fit for it. This is going to work great between us because you two are actually the best fit for the job. Right, and we're actually really grateful that you're doing it because you guys do have a professional production. You could be doing other stuff, right? But you're going to be able to bring an aspect and a dynamic to EUG that we wouldn't be able to pay to create ourselves. You can't buy passion. You can't buy somebody. You can't pay somebody to care. I could pay you to show up in a suit, right? Like I could pay you to speak, right? But I can't pay you to apply your heart to it. And that's what I mean. Like when you're inspiring somebody from a you know, permission. It's it's like, well, you know that regardless is you you now have faith that our bare minimum you think is so great, and I'm really appreciative of that, and that makes us feel really good that we have the trust to be able to come do this. But it makes me really excited because it's like, well, you're gonna have to step up my game, I'm gonna step up my game, and everyone's gonna be willing to do it and on board on the same page and excited. No one's like Eeyore of like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. No, Definitely not us. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you're telling us we need to evolve our game. Yeah, oh, there you go. But you missed a golden opportunity yeah. like several times there. I want you to step up your game. I'm like, oh, you could do better. 
involve <laughs> your game. No, I think, but that's Come the on. testament to the brand is in, you know, Hector's lifestyle. You know, he had that way more than the brand recognition now. You know, like UG, mm-hmm. you know, I think there was some spice about the logo design from some people, right? But it's like, well, Evolve Your Game has been a brand since like, 2013 or 2012 or something like there's been clothes yeah. on it so like the secondary logo as far as like the promotion you know the corporate company side is different but the initials are literally the same they've been you know around forever we redid the design and everything else there so um that's you know what if Hector didn't do the work you know what if he didn't feel the, the need to try and market himself and risk doing it you know, and just now that brand is now getting the exposure. Prior to that, it was just a clothing brand that a jujitsu guy had, right? So, mm-hmm. he, you know, everyone's trying to use a creative means to enhance who they are. At least the people who you work with should, right? If you have anyone showing up to work and doesn't care, you need to get them out of your life, right? I mean, that's on to you to, you know, pick the weeds out of your garden, so to speak. You know, there's probably plenty of stuff on that, Jake, in the Bible. Um, you know, pruning yes. your fields and making sure you don't let you know things seep in where you can fall off you know in any aspect of the word there you go it's right in there brother right um, in there so i've never been much hey. of the follower of the bible just the principles of a warrior and somebody who led with honesty and integrity so i got you For sure. i got you well dude i think you just gave us ev- everyone not just jake and i but everyone's yeah. some really good advice not just on you know Man, marketing so. but also just like leadership in general i feel like People can apply that no matter what field they're in. So, oh yeah, we really, really enjoyed having you on. Yeah, like, thank you, man. Really appreciate your time. We know you're super busy with all your businesses and with training and everything. So, hopefully, the next one's gonna be totally yeah. event focused. So, yeah, no, it's cool. Oh, yeah. It's cool to call about the deeper stuff. Though, and we're definitely getting a Korean barbecue oh. when you guys are back out here. We're gonna yes. go golfing. We're gonna get out there a what? day yeah, early. Let's go golfing. Yes, we're gonna go out there a day early and golf with you. Really? All right, I'll bring Dude, out. I'm I'll, ready to all right. Up. Why not? We I'm heard gonna bring you were out my video down. team and photographer, and we'll, we'll document all of it. <laughs> Dude, that would be so great because then yeah. it could be like content. Open, you know what oh I mean? Yeah. Open we'll golf do all of it. We'll do all of it. The open golf cast. We'll do Dude, it. Dude, the open car cast has got to work that time too, Danny. We really like yeah. that's you know our I urban have a legend. We got right. My whole goal in actually building this, not to plug myself in at the end of it, but I have a website called no, BJJ Golf. We're supposed to actually. And BJJ no Golfer is I'm an avid golfer because in my world, at least on the business side, the people I have to reach. They're really good golfers. They've been playing it for 20, 30 years. They're the equivalent of Ooh. world champions. And so, and if you want to get their respect, you want to play in their games, you want to sit at their tables, you need to, you know what I'm saying, walk that life, which means you have to put just as many hours in it. And golf is just like <laughs> jujitsu. Getting frustrated and hitting a ball harder is not going to yield a better result. You have to just put in the time and do it. And so BJJ Golfer is to build a brand that hopefully DC, if you're ever watching this, I saw you golf. I'd love to golf with you. But there's so much synergy between high-level professionals and golf, high-level golfers. You know, Stephen Curry, all mm-hmm. these people golf, DC golfs, I think John Annett golfs. Um, to be able to bring those together and host events that are golf-related and different things. So absolutely, I'll take you golf and we'll record all of it. We'll take photos. It'll be a blast. I would yes. love to. It'd probably be funny. I'm gonna, now Danny we'll and I are just going to go to Top Golf every weekend. Because we'll have to keep That's okay. play. Um, oh, of course. Of but, course. But it'll be um, suck. And I'll, I'll, I'll definitely... I'm gonna work really hard on my golf swing, leading up to UG2. <laughs> Jake, let's go to the driving range. You need to. We're going to the driving range. You need to putt, pitch. It's just more than driving. You know, you're not. Bright. I'm just gonna. Yeah, I, you yeah, know, I'm gonna go we'll, drive. Yeah, three. We'll hey, too. listen. Every Saturday, three hours at the driving range. Three hours at All golf right, land. He's building a system here. Okay. <laughs> listen, folks. Golf land. Listen, folks. Golf we land. have ourselves a matchup here. Jake Watson on the course. 
All right, golf fans, we're here with Eric Astromecki no, no, no. and Danny O'Donnell. Commentators are whispers. They're like, listen. Yeah, they, they don't. Oh, sorry, John Anik. Uh, all right, so we're here with Eric Astromecki. Exactly. Eric Astromecki and Danny O'Donnell <laughs> walking onto the tee. He's gonna hit. The, he's gonna hit the ball ever so softly. And then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's taking 15 steps back. Oh my goodness, is he really going to hit the ball? I like the British oh. accent. That's actually good. Yeah, that's, I, the that's, true, like, that's like the PGA European tour style. Well, it's better though. than like Michael Chavello, where he's like, he's going to hit the ball right there. Yeah, that's like that. You know, that's good. Anyway, um, but, but yeah, Eric. That, but yeah. We'll definitely. We're, we're really All right, so now I'm going to have to. Is book there anybody this you want to? I want you to. Yes, please. Um, book that. Also, shout out anybody you want to shout out. Go. BGJGolfer.com, number one. No, so yeah, it's it's just, yeah. We don't need to shout that out. Uh, I just wanted to make that tie there, that if you're a golfer, you're a professional sport, you ever want to golf or do something, that's my hobby besides golfing or grappling. So, um, But shout out to just the EUG team. There's a lot of guys that work behind the scenes, you know. Um, you know, Charlie Hill did a ton of original video content for our stuff, and, you know, he could have gotten a ton more exposure as they're taking videos. You know, Hector doing all of the original legwork to build the foundation. And a lot of the brand evolution that existed years prior that, you know, I got to piggyback up a lot of this stuff. And, yeah, I kind of get to build icing on the cake and add additional layers and stuff. But it takes people doing a lot of work before you even get there to have something successful. Uh, Mike, you know, in the matchmaking, you know, obviously the, the cards speak for themselves, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, Nuts, those, those, yeah. those are really good. He's doing a fantastic job making sure the fighters are taken care of. And most importantly, every athlete that's, you know, competed on our show so far, hopefully you've had a great experience, you felt taken care of, you know, you, you want to compete for us again because as we have more and more events, we'll build out our brackets, Right, we'll have champions in multiple things. We can make things way more exciting. The sky's the limit. And we'll be able to do it in the hometown of Las Vegas, which creates way more a bigger statement and will create a way immersive experience for our fighters. So we're really excited to show that. Um, so I'll end it on that, boss. That's awesome. Yeah. Nick, you want to uh, thank you for our sponsors? I do. Colonel. We're here. Electra Performance. Make sure you use the app and go to the uh, Google Play Store and get thick. My my ass cheeks are getting bigger because I'm squatting. Uh, sorry, that's solid snake. It's a Metal Gear Solid reference. Uh, we want to thank Electra Performance. Thank you so much, Alex Turner and everybody down there for just being fantastic stewards of squat. And uh, uh, the Duke of Deadlift himself will help you to achieve your gains goals. Uh, we also want to thank Agro Brand Election Performance. Oh, I already said that. And Marcio Andre Academy and Matakaba BJJ. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those guys are, you, are studs. They are studs. Absolutely. Yes, Marcio Andre is a stud and a half. Um, <laughs> shout out to him for wearing the... Uh, the uh, Jesus e Unico Camino patch on his back that was made me so happy. I was super, super stoked to see that. Um, and yeah, the, God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Danny, is there anybody you want to thank? No, just want to thank you guys again for your time. And yeah, this was a really fun episode. So hopefully everyone got as much out of it as me and Jake did. Yeah. I think Eric dropped some, dropped some, real, some real gems. So really hope everyone gets a chance to listen to this. And uh, yeah, this is episode 92 with Eric Estramecki of EUG Promotions. And, yeah, we'll see you guys soon for episode 93. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Peace.